You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Good morning. My name is Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gateway Church, if I haven't met you. And I'm so glad to be here. And thank you this Christmas uh, for being here this season. Last week, I had the opportunity to roll out the new series, and I kind of embarrassed myself a little. And uh, I, I didn't feel like I brought my A game, and, uh, and so I thought I could take a, another crack at it. And, uh, and so Pastor Bobby's let me uh, use his guitar, and um, I'll just say, bef- bef- <laughs> believe it or not, before you hear what I, we're about to do, I did practice, and um, uh, first service didn't go quite as well as I thought, but I think it was the people. It wasn't me. And, uh, and uh, second service here, I really need your help, all right? And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try this. Uh, we, we rolled out the song, It's a Most Wonderful Time of the Year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And, uh, and so let's, let's uh, do that in the key of G. All right, you guys ready? Just bring your expectations way down. All right, okay, here we go. All right, here we go. It's, oh, man. I'm so nervous. Even second service. Okay. All right. Yeah, here we go. Once I'm in it, then I'm in it. I, I'm not looking. Pastor Bob, he's not giving me any help. I know that. He didn't first service either. All right. Here we go. It's the most wonderful time of the year. All right. Whew, here we go. It's the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most Wonderful time of the year. All right, we're making it. Sing it out. It's the half happiest season of all. With the gay, sing it. It's the half happiest season of. It is not the happiest season of all like I said last week, (laughs) because of the frenzy. It's so busy. The parties and the plays and the concerts and the shopping and the wrapping and then the giving of the gifts, the cooking, the cleaning, and the serving, the school stuff, the church stuff, the family stuff. I had an idea. Sing it with me. It's the busiest season of all. Let's do it together. It's the busiest season of all. You guys aren't even helping me out. And it may not just be the busiest season. You think about the faith. Think about how people wrestle with their faith. And it's so true. There's so many obligations. And uh, it's Christmas and Easter. Those are sometimes, for, for many people, those are the only time that they'll come to church. And you know what we call those people? Priesters, if that identifies you, don't be offended. But uh, a friend of mine, literally this week we were talking about it, and he grew up in church, and he, uh, his dad was a pastor at a Wesleyan church, and he has really kind of described himself as he's not sure what he believes. Has he walked away from the faith? I'm not sure. But he said this, and I quote this week, faith is shoved in his face every Christmas. And it's kind of awkward in regards to his faith. And so I thought, well, maybe we could put awkward. And it's the most awkward season. You guys ready? 
All right, sing it out. It's the most awkward time of the year. If it's not your faith, if it's not the frenzy, if this song isn't awkward enough, this illustration, what about our families? Come on. Family dynamics, relational conflicts, feuds, arguing about politics and about religion or money or sports, grudges that are held, and then you got to get together and smile. Sometimes it can be tough. Last Sunday, I walked out after first service and uh, someone said to me, I was talking about the frenzy, if you weren't here, and we talked about the busyness. He said, it's really not the busiest time of year for me because I've lost my family, and uh, he experienced a divorce, and his kids are kind of uh, disconnected, and it's really sad. And then I thought, oh, man, if there's a divorce or a loss of a spouse or a loss of a loved one, it can be a difficult time of year, the most difficult time of year. And don't sing this with a smile on your face, but we'll slow it down a little bit. Sing it. It's the most difficult time of the year. And it seems like that all of the struggles that we have are exasperated at Christmas. And it's true. It's difficult at times. And I thought, ah, what about the finances, the money? It's an expensive time of year. I don't care who you are. And so the last one here, all right, nice and strong. This is it. This is it. Now I'm putting the guitar down. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Joe, I'm going to ask you to stand up and sing a solo too. All right, here we go. Expensive. It's the most expensive time of the year. All right, there we go. There we go. Yeah. And that's why I'm not on the worship team, <laughs> even though I wish I was, and that's true. All right, so seriously, if you could simplify the Christmas season, who wouldn't do that? Am I right? Come on. Wouldn't you simplify it if you could? Absolutely. And we're talking about simple Christmas this year, and the idea of simple can be powerful and profound. But simple and Christmas don't naturally seem to go together. They actually seem like they're polar opposites. And last week we talked about this beautiful, powerful, profound concept or philosophy, the KISS method, bringing that to Christmas. And uh, it just simply means to keep it simple. That's right. Santa, keep it simple. Sister, keep it simple. Silly, keep it simple sweetie and then I thought keep it simple Satan and I thought no that doesn't fit and so we just moved on but the goal seriously is to bring a more Christ-centered holiday to simplify and to remember what's most important and what's remembering most important is not the Christmas presence under the tree we said last week it's really the presence of God it's the presence not presence isn't that, the right, isn't that the truth? For Jesus to be alive and real in our lives. 
And that is exactly what we want to talk about, simplifying. And there's one area that is extremely difficult to do that with, and it's our finances. And that's the goal of today is to look at that, um, to bring simple and Christmas. It seems to be they, they don't blend, but finances and Christmas, those go like together like Snoopy and Charlie, right? Like Batman and Robin. I mean, it's like those, you can't you hardly separate those. And are they simple, though? Finances at Christmas time? Come on. No, absolutely not. And it's far from it. And so we want to wrestle with it. And before we just dive way in uh, to the message, I just want to acknowledge that this message may come across more practical than spiritual, but uh, it, it is 100% spiritual because what we do with our finances really matters. And what I'd like you to do is turn with me to kind of set the stage. Just turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. There's a little phrase that catches the essence of how we spend our money and where that's tied to. Look what it says. Matthew 6, 21 says this. It says, for where your treasure is, that's where your money is, where your finances are, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Put your hand on your heart and say this verse with me, okay? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart, we're speaking about your soul and your spirit where your heart is, and that's what we're going to try to get at, is our hearts this morning in regards to spending money around the Christmas holiday. So let's just talk about Christmas spending here for a moment. Uh, what, are, what are we facing when it comes to Christmas and finances as people, right? There's so much research around this. I mean, I had pages and pages of notes that I had printed off and different different things, and it kind of bogged me down. Uh, but let's you know, just remember just simply for the moment where we live. We live in North America. We live in the great United States of America. And how many are thankful for that? Say amen. But we are the most prosperous nation, arguably, on the planet. And even if you're dirt poor, you are rich. And that's just the truth. You say, well, how do I know that? How could you say that? Well, I can say that because of the statistics of what we spend at Christmas time. It is absolutely ridiculous. The stats show that the United States, uh, we will spend over $1 trillion for Christmas this year. And that includes presents and parties and new outfits and cards and shipping and travel, travel to family, maybe a vacation, uh, new cars that are purchased, boats or whatever. When you add it all up in the United States, over $1 trillion. That's $1,000 million are spent in the United States. You say, well, who spends the most? Well, it's interesting. The statistics show that Gen Xers actually spend the most, those that are born between 1960 and 1980. That's my uh, age. How many else are in, the, in that age? Okay, we've got a few Gen Xers. And you think about it, you know, that's, you, know you should be in your you know, greatest uh, wage earning years, and you've got kids and, and grandkids, some, some of you do. And so you can see that you spend maybe a little bit more. 
The second largest category of people that give or that spend the most are millennials, those that are born between 82 and 2004. How many millennials do we have? I know we have a few. That's right. And uh, it's interesting. They've watched the example of their parents and they just say, <laughs> they just, it's status quo and they spend a lot of money. And maybe uh, they have the money or maybe they don't, but millennials spend the, mo- the second most, the least. Uh, The people that spend the least are baby boomers, those that were born after World War II all the way to 1964. Any baby boomers in the house? All right, we got a few there as well. Uh, That's good. And uh, they just have smartened up, and uh, or maybe they've got, you know, I'm not sure why, but they seem to spend the least. And uh, it's estimated, guys, that this year, 46% of all of our spending will happen online, and that's an estimate, and that's higher than ever. And, uh, but people still like that shopping experience, but they also take advantage of the online deals. And the average spender, the average shopper will spend over $100 on themselves. Any true confessions? Anybody do that? You're out and you're buying gifts. Oh yeah, I see those hands. And you buy something for yourself. And last year, last statistic, last year, pet owners spent over $5 million on their pets I don't have a pet, I don't understand it, but that's what they say. The, the study of the National Retail Federation said that Americans will spend more money on gifts in 2018 than they did last year, and that's what they are expecting from us this year. Expectations is a big thing when it comes to spending in Christmas, isn't it? Each United States citizen adult will spend, on average, almost, just under $900 this year in gifts. That is a lot of money. What are people expected to spend? 33% expect to spend uh, over $1,000 this year on Christmas. 22% are expected to spend between $500 and $999. 29% are expected to spend $100 to $499. And only 3% are expected to spend less than $100 this year. But what's interesting is the same people that did this report about expectations, they said that these are expectations. This is kind of the pressure point. This is what people, you know, kind of are expecting. But actually, the report says that they are likely to spend more than they're actually expecting to spend. And I think, wow, isn't that interesting? There's a lot of expectations around Christmas spending. And that it's not only Christmas spending, it's it just spending funds at the end of the year. Um, you, you put in year-end giving in the mix, and you're trying to make up your tithes or your missions pledge, or you're trying to bless your favorite nonprofit organization, and there are a lot of expectations. And with all these expectations, the last thing it seems to be is simple. It's complicated. It's not easy. There's nothing simple about it. And I was thinking, what are we, what are you going to do with your money this year? Well, I thought we could change another carol, and don't worry, we're not going to go to the guitar again, but we could sing Deck the Halls with Expectations, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, right? And then we could say, tis the season to test your treasure, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, right? Because Matthew 6, 21 says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And where our heart is, and in regards to our spending, where is our, tr- our treasure? 
Tis the season to test your treasure. What is motivating you this year in regards to your spending? Is it fear? Is it selfishness? Is it pride? Or on the positive side, is it joy and generosity and just the Christmas spirit? What will you do this year with your money? And I was thinking about it. I was in my office earlier this week, and I really hadn't put all the details together. I thought, you know what? There are three ways that we can deal with our money this season. What do we see people doing with their money? Well, there's three things. The first thing is we see some people hoarding their money. And this is kind of sad to say, but people, they're worried there's not going to be enough. Maybe they have a scarcity mentality. It's kind of the Scrooge mentality, right? They're not generous. Uh, or maybe it's the spirit of the Grinch, right? You know, like, oh, I hate Christmas. and I'm just going to hold on to my money. I'm not going to spend it. And uh, I was thinking about it. Have you ever received a gift from someone that didn't really want to give you the gift, but it was kind of out of obligation? That's no fun, is it? I mean, that's miserable, right? You've got to cast that demon out, right? Well, you know, I want to remind those of you that may have a tendency to hoard I want to remind you of a simple verse in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, verse 19 says this. It says, My God will meet all your needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And to me, when I read that, it's the opposite of hoarding. It gives us the permission to say, you know what? I can actually release some funds. I can actually do, do some of this. Um, I like what Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 says as well. It says this, it says, look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap and, and store away in barns? And yet your, hell, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And so the idea that we're going to hold on or that we don't have enough or we don't, you know, we're worried in some way or a scarcity mentality. Listen, if you are a believer and you got Jesus in your heart and you have the heavenly father that cares for you, he's watching over you. And that doesn't mean we should be crazy, uh, go, go crazy, but we definitely do not need to hoard our money. Capiche? And I don't see that a lot, but I do see it on occasion, and it's sad. The second thing I see people doing with their money is giving, and it's fun. It's, I love to give, and I know many of you love to give. Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 4 says this, uh, Philippians 2, verse 4, where did I put that? Oh yeah, it says, not looking to your own interests, but to the interest of others, right? We're looking out for others just like Jesus did. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we see another idea. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 11. Let me just read it for a second. It says, each of you should give what he has decided in his heart to give. And it's talking about giving to, uh, to advance the kingdom of God, but I think it could relate to Christmas as well. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And it goes on, verse 10 says, Now he who supplies to the sower the, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of food and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Look what verse 11 says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The idea is when you give, God is going to bless you. He's going to bring it back to you. Good things happen when you are a giver. When you give thanksgiving to God even in your giving. 
It's Christ's nature to give. And what a season to give at Christmas time. Giving is a big deal. Caring for the needs of others. And we have seen an uptick, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, in our benevolent fund, and where you give to funds to the church that, uh, that are designated for benevolence, and then those can help other people. I also love to see behind-the-scenes benevolence. We have small groups that are caring for each other and um, caring for car repairs and furniture and uh, furniture things that have been given away. Just yesterday, I was part of a, a situation where a family in the church they had a whole houseload of furniture, and there was another family in the church that was connected to the church, where a single mom that had zero in her apartment. Literally, I walked in, and there was nothing in the apartment. And this other family supplied furnishings, couches, um, lazy boy chairs, uh, tables, five or six lamps, I think, uh, beds, um, dressers. Uh, I mean, it was a miracle for this family. And it was awesome. And the generosity and giving in that way. We celebrate things like this, don't we? And we should be looking for opportunities like this to not only uh, give, but even to give sacrificially. Let's remember to be generous this year. I love what Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says. It says, a generous person will prosper, right? He who refreshes others will be refreshed themselves. And I'll put you on the spot, Judy. When you gave away all that furniture and filled that trailer, God is going to bring it back to you. And I know you didn't want the credit, but uh, listen, God is going to bless you for blessing uh, that, that single mom yesterday. And it was beautiful. I mean, it was, they were like blown away. And you got to know that. And we celebrate that. There are some families here that are adopting other families that probably could use an extra help. One family I know of this year, they are going to give an equal amount of what they spend on their family for Christmas. They're gonna, uh, their family's going to give that much away as well. And I thought, man, what a cool idea. Giving is a heart thing, and it's alive and well here at the Gateway Church and here on the Lakeshore, and, uh, and it's certainly fun to do that. Uh, and that's one way that we spend our money. What can we do with our money? We can hoard it, and we're not going to do that. We're going to give it, yes, but there's a third thing that we see people do, especially at Christmas time, in regards to their money. And what it is, is they are over-giving. They are overspending. They're giving something that they can't afford to give. Giving something over the top, not something that's not even necessary. How many have heard the idea that it's better to give than to receive, right? We've all heard that. And I do believe that because if you're giving, that means you've got something to give. So it's better to give than to receive. But I would say it's better to give than to receive unless you go over your Christmas budget. And I know this is not fun to say, but how many of you have ever, at, after Christmas, had a sick feeling in your stomach? Don't raise your hand. Where you've given, and then a day or a week after, there's the regret that sinks in. And you're thinking, why in the world did I do that? Right? And July 2019 comes around, and you're still paying for Christmas 2018, and the toys have been forgotten, 
toys would have been broken. The fashion, whatever you needed as far as clothes, the fashion has changed or certainly the season has changed. The must-haves are not even hot anymore. What all your kids had to have and you went and overspent, now those toys are just collecting dust on the shelf or in a bin somewhere. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, I was thinking about it back in 1996. The Tickle Me Elmo came out. How many of you guys remember that? Oh, yeah, it was a big deal, I'm telling you. It, and I don't know, it was the year I got married, and they, the Tickle Me Elmos, got, they were sold out the day after Christmas. It was a different day. There wasn't all the online early, whatever. It was, it was Black Friday. They completely sold out, and they sold out quick. And literally, it was near impossible to get a Tickle Me Elmo. And I remember the frenzy around that. And people were paying hundreds of dollars, even thousands of dollars, for a Tickle Me Elmo because their kid, and I'm looking for little kids, I don't think I'm going to ruin it for anybody, they thought, they asked Santa for it, and they, their parents were making sure that they were going to get it. Well, I just thought about it, and you know, it's a, it was a $40 toy, I think, if I remember right. Well, I looked on eBay this week, and there are 1,087 Tickle Me Elmos online right now. And if you type in vintage 15-inch, the original, 1996, oh, you would think that's gone skyrocket, right? <laughs> no. You can pick one up today. Look it up. $1.99 plus shipping, plus $8.85 in shipping. See how the tables turn? And it's like, but that was the thing, man. You had to have it. And it got me thinking, like, what is it this year? What are the hot gifts? And I, and I hate to ruin, it, ruin Christmas for you, and I certainly don't want to seem like a Scrooge, but I looked it up, and one of the hottest gifts this year is a Barbie dream house. And I'm saying, if it's not in the storage bin by July... It'll be broken by July or in the basement. Another hot gift this year is the Kumi Creator. And I thought, now here's the only gift that I think I would get my kids because you can make something and sell it. It's a business opportunity. <laughs> it's, a, it's a business opportunity. And so I've got loose interest in that one, but it's hard to get. It's hard to get. I'm just telling you, you're going to want to go or get online, order it now. Yep, I see you ordering that right now. Another hot gift this year, listen, is a baby alive. Sweet spoon fills baby. I mean, that's an ugly baby. I'm telling you. It's kind of creepy. And what's worse is that you feed the baby and then it poops. That stinks. Tell me that's not going to get old after like three diaper changes. And it's going to sit on the, the last one, this is a hot gift, and this is the truth, is tic-tac-tongue. And I'm saying, uh-uh, no, no. It's kind of like the last couple years, this stupid game came out where you put this thing in your mouth, and you try to talk, you can't say your Fs or your, or your Bs, right? This is a stupid game, stupid game. You only play it once, and it goes in the drawer. Although Jessica said, why is talk out loud out this morning? And I'm like, none of your business. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're not going to, I might hide that one this year. 
no one likes to play that. You know, someone takes a picture, puts that online. That is not funny. And uh, <laughs> that may have happened to me last year. Now, now listen. <laughs> when it comes to Christmas spending, I have a true confession. I like to give, and I like to give last-minute <laughs> things, and I've talked about that before, but I do like to give. And I tend to be one that will overgive or overspend. A friend of mine this week, we were uh, meeting for uh, coffee on Friday morning. I was telling him what I was speaking on, and he doesn't go to our church here, uh, so I can talk about him. And, uh, but uh, we both acknowledge that it feels good to give, doesn't it? It just does. It feels good. And last year, I, Jessica and I, we had a budget for our family, and, uh, and we had a plan for that. And I went out, and I overspent. I, I went to Best Buy without a plan, and I walked out with something for Logan, something for Reagan, something for Jessica, and something <laughs> for me. <laughs> and I was the hero at Christmas. And it just, and, and I think about it, I'm like, ah, it was my ego probably that was driving that. And I was thinking, what motivates you to overspend? What kind, you know, what kind of uh, things, you know, it, you say to yourself and convince, oh, the kids, they're going to love it. Or I just love to give. Or uh, it's the only time of year I go overboard, right? It's the Christmas cheer gets the best of us. Or Best Buy, they're the ones getting the best of us, right? And you say, why? Do most or so many people overspend, even to their family's own hurt sometimes? And that's where it gets sad. And there are a few reasons. The first reason is because of fear. Fear of looking bad, showing up to the party and not, be, and not being empty-handed or being empty-handed or maybe you know, not giving an equal type of gift. Or maybe it's keeping up with the Joneses even at Christmas time. And maybe it's not so much for yourself, but for your kids' sake. You don't want your kids to feel bad when they hear what other kids got. For me, growing up, that was never an issue. My parents never worried about that, obviously. While my friends were getting snowmobiles and new snow skis, I was getting underwear, and that's a true story. And I remember thinking, man, what in the world? But the expectations around Chris, they didn't put a picture of underwear, did they? Oh, good, good. The expectation is that, uh, that we... Uh, we, get, we get caught up, and sometimes it's fear. Look what Proverbs chapter, um, chapter 29 says, uh, verse 25. <laughs> this is really, it says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. We can't fear what someone else thinks in regards to our giving. What, and uh, you think about it, fear can motivate us. What else can? It, pride can. And uh, there we go, pride. And we look, and you you kind of like look at me look what I gave or look what our family gave and I just say what happened to old-fashioned modesty not letting your left hand know what your right hand's doing and the truth is pride will wreck Christmas every time it's just true Proverbs 16 uh, just a page or two before that look what it says you know this verse Proverbs 16 18 pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is, is a bad recipe at Christmas time. And pride is bad enough, but then people go into serious debt around Christmas. 
as I was looking about uh, up ideas of Christmas and spending or money, uh, what kept on flooding my computer screen were credit card ideas, uh, maximizing your points, managing your rewards, being mindful of the interest rates. These are the tips that the world are giving us, and it's bad. How many credit card applications have you got in the last four to five weeks preparing you for Christmas? It's like daily at my house. I don't know what it's like at yours. And these things are not your friend. One pastor wrote, Christmas has become a consumer-centered orgy of materialism and self-indulgence. And credit feeds it. Our credit, our ability to spend what we don't have feeds it. Finances get blown out of the water, and we say things like, well, we'll just make it up later, or it's for the kids, or we justify it some other way. And the thing is, just like another church, their Christmas series was titled, it's not even our own birthday. What's going on? It's not even your birthday. And this is the reality. And it's kind of a new phenomenon. I certainly grew up with it, but the generation before me, the baby boomers, I think things were different. Things weren't so complex. Things weren't so crazy. Expectations were different. And it was the simple things that got celebrated. It was less complex. And what I'd like to do here just for a moment, is to let a friend of mine, Rocky Nichols, come and share a story. I was laying out the series for him. We had lunch a few weeks ago, and he says, oh, that reminds me of a story. And as he shared this story, I said, Rocky, you've got to share that on a Sunday when we talk about finances. And, uh, and so without further ado, Rocky, come and share your life story. This is a true story. Uh, Rocky Nichols, let's put it together. Right? Simple gifts can sometimes be the ones that are most memorable. If I think back to all the gifts that I've received and all the gifts that I've given out, honestly, I have to admit, I really don't remember most of them. But there's one gift that I received that I can clearly remember now for 50 years. It was simple, inexpensive, even a disappointment when I received it. I got this gift from my grandma when I was 10 years old. Now, if I describe grandma to you, I would just say, watch any Christmas movie, and when Mrs. Claus shows up, that was grandma. Grandma lived a simple life in a simple home. Her home was built by my grandfather, who passed away long before I came along, long before the Great Depression. And in the years that passed, that home didn't change very much. We loved to visit her house, I think, every Sunday afternoon. And we always knew what to expect, very simple food, homemade bread, lunch meat, powdered milk. But Christmas was still special. Grandma's Christmas decorations consisted of a single set of those little five electric candles with the orange lights on the top. That would show up right around Thanksgiving and disappear the day after New Year's. When we came to Grandma's neighborhood around Christmas, we would turn down the street and we'd see all the houses lit up with lights and their 
windows with lights and the trees with lights. They really did it up a lot better in the 1960s than we do today. Well, my brothers and I could care less. The only thing we were looking for was that little set of candles that showed up in Grandma's window. And when it did, we knew it was Christmas. Now, Grandma would up her game a little bit around then. She'd make special cakes and cookies and maybe some chocolate-covered stuff. But when it came to the gift-giving, it was almost predictable. Dad would get a box of chocolate-covered cherries and maybe a necktie. And Mom would get a box of assorted chocolates and maybe some perfume. And the boys would consume both of those boxes on the way home that night. My brothers would get something handmade like knitted hats or scarf or gloves because Grandma did a lot of knitting. But she reserved my gift as a purchase toy. Now this one particular Christmas time, it was, I was 10 years old, I assume, uh, somewhere around 10 years old. And I can still remember sitting on the old worn out carpet on my elbows, listening to the tick-tock of the old clock that my Uncle Chuck brought home from World War II and looking up at Grandma as she handed me my gift. And I could almost tell what it was, and sure enough, I opened it up. It was a box of crayons and a coloring book. Not even the 64 color variety with the flip top. I already had that at home. It was just the simple set of eight little crayons, very basic. I was disappointed. But I didn't want Grandma to know, because I knew she didn't have much to, to buy gifts. So I looked up, and I said, thank you, Grandma. I like this. And she smiled. I think she knew I was disappointed, but she appreciated that. I thanked her for it. That night we drove home. I put that little box of crayons in my drawer where I kept all my little keepsakes. And through the years, I would open up the drawer and go through all my treasures. And that little box was still in there, pristine. I never used it. Grandma passed away in the 1970s. And in the decades that have passed, my brothers and my dad and I have had many conversations about the times in Grandma's house and about Grandma. And the one thing that always comes to my mind was that simple little gift. Fifty years later, I still have it. I can still feel the old worn-out carpet on my elbows. I can still hear Uncle Chuck's cuckoo clock ticking on the wall. And I can still look up and see Grandma's smile. Simple gifts. Sometimes these are the ones that have impact on a person for a lifetime. Good. Thanks, Rocky. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And you know, as we talk about Christmas and finances and the complexities, If we, I could just breathe a fresh breath of simple onto your situation, I certainly would. You know, I was thinking about Rocky's story. His grandma would never have considered overspending or certainly going into debt for a toy for her grandson. She'd roll over in a grave if she saw how most of us spend. just the truth. And thanks again, Rocky, for being willing to share that. 
this year, what is most important? Is it the presents, the latest and greatest underneath the tree? Absolutely not. And every one of you, if I asked you that question, you'd have the right answer. But the way we act in our actual actions say something totally different. What we really need is the presence, not more presence. We mentioned that last week. The presence of Jesus. And I was thinking, by the way, what would Jesus want for his birthday? Think about it for a second. It's his birthday that we're celebrating. What would he want? Well, I think scripture has a clue, gives us a clue of what Jesus would want. And we certainly won't take the chance to read this whole passage. You could read it later. But in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, what we see is uh, a story. Jesus talking about the sheep and the goats. And, and uh, it talks about Jesus, uh, kind of the, the Son of Man. It says he'll come in his glory. And uh, he separates the sheep from the goats. And you say, well, how, how do we know who gets to heaven, who doesn't? And he, and he goes on to talk about how the sheep, those that are on his right hand, he says, come, you are my blessed ones. My father, uh, take your inheritance. Um, your kingdom has been prepared uh, since the beginning of time. And you say, well, how did they make it? Well, it says this. And let's go to verse 35. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, verse 36, and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. And those folks that did that, the righteous one answered, when do we see you do that? And Jesus said, truly I tell you, verse 40, if you can jump there, sorry, uh, just for time's sake. Verse 40 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I was thinking, what would Jesus want for his birthday? He'd want us to feed the poor, or feed the hungry. He would want us to give something to drink to someone that was thirsty. To clothe someone that needed clothes. To care for someone that was sick. That's what Jesus would do. He then goes on and talks about the goat, the left side. And, uh, and the same person said, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger in need in clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? In verse 45, I don't know if you can jump there quick. It says, he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Verse 46 or 46 now, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And I thought, man, if Jesus had a birthday list, that's what he'd want. That's what's most important, is caring for others. I was thinking to bring some practical giveaways, or uh, takeaways, so to speak. Spiritually, we need to check our spiritual pulse, especially at Christmas. We want to open our hearts to others. But there's two simple things I just want to encourage you to do. Number one is to make a list. Who is in need? Who do you need to buy for? Who don't you need to buy for? And with that list, I want you to be reasonable, to say no to a few 
And maybe it's the idea of, hey, we're just going to bless the kids this year and maybe not do something even for ourselves or do something for someone else. In the 22 years that Jessica and I have been married, there's only been just a handful, probably less than five Christmases where we actually purchased gifts for each other, last year being one of those. But uh, it just hasn't been a pattern just because it's not that important. So make a list. The next thing is to set a budget. And I know that seems practical, but please see it in the heart, the spiritual nature. Do not overspend. Set limits and do not go in debt this Christmas. And you're saying, well, it's too late. Black Friday is come and gone. Did you know that everything that's sitting underneath your bed for your kids could be returned and you could change your idea? And I know the kids are like, blasphemy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too late to return stuff. And I know that's not popular. I actually, my parents returned a train set of mine that was going to be mine one year. It's not in my notes. It just came to mind. My parents had a waterbed back in the day with tunnels underneath it, and they would would hide their Christmas gifts under there like we didn't know. (laughs) And my mom found out that I was snooping one time, and I saw the Christmas, the uh, the train set that I wanted, and... uh, and they had told us not to be looking in there. And uh, my mom and dad, believe it or not, they returned that train set. And I've never got a train set ever since. <laughs> it's true, true story. Wow. Thus the therapy that I need. And uh, <laughs> listen, set a budget. Don't just wing it. And remember when it comes to expectations, remember Rocky's story. It's the simple things that really make the difference. It's the simple things. Our goal has got to be this year to have more of a Christ-centered holiday. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you're capturing our hearts. And Lord, we thank you that even on a Christmas Sunday uh, series, Lord, we can enjoy your presence. Lord, you are here with us. You are Emmanuel, and we are grateful for that. And Lord, I pray that when it comes to our finances, that we could dare to have a different idea this Christmas, that it would be different from the past, or we would, we would set uh, some limits. We would create a list and stick with it. Lord, help us to be good stewards of what you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us in these areas. We give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. This is what I'd like to do just as we close this morning. If you're here this morning, and I know this has not been a message uh, with, a, with a salvation bent necessarily, but if you are here, you talk about Christmas and, uh, and simple not going together. Uh, how about a holy God and sinful man uniting in salvation? They, uh, the theological term for that is atonement. And uh, let's just think about that, that you and I being sinful, we can put our trust in a Savior, and he, we combine those, and we call that salvation. It's the greatest gift that ever could.
could be given. And Jesus, he's the one that's provided that for us. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I just want to encourage you to surrender your heart this Christmas. We've been praying for you. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, maybe your name is on one of these trees saying, man, I, I, there's someone in your life that's been praying for you. If you're here today and you're saying, that's me, I need to ask the Lord to forgive me of my sins. Would you just slip up your hand right where you are? Just going to take a second. Just first service. Who here needs that kind of forgiveness? Anyone just slip up your hand? Okay, yes. Young man in the back. Anyone else? Anyone else? Saying, yes, that's me. For the sake of the one, what I'd like to do is lead you in a prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that save you. It's believing in your heart, young man. And what I'd like to do, would you say this with me? Say, dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all the sin in my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me, providing a way for me to spend an eternity with you. Take away my sin. Make my heart clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love it. The, the Bible says that the angels rejoice when even one person gives their heart. So we join with the angels. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, it's going to be a great season. And as we leave here today, please know that the presence of God goes with us and we can affect all of those areas. Everywhere we go, we can affect those around us. And if you believe that, I want you to stand. And this morning, we're going to, uh, I'll say a quick benediction prayer, and then the worship team is going to sing us out of here. When they start to sing, you can turn and greet one another and go in the grace of God. But let's pray. Lord, we ask that you go before us, behind us, and all around us. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of you, to take your presence with us. And Lord, help us to reach one more the person in our life that needs the gospel story. Help us to have the courage to invite them to church. Help us to have the courage to have a spiritual conversation. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Turn and greet someone this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.